It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome into episode 276 of the Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network, presented by Justice Dental. Today's show is going to be an absolute blast. College basketball's hungriest insider, John Rossi, joins the show to provide his takes on the Kentucky Wildcats. We'll also touch on fall classes beginning for Kentucky with all eyes on Big Z, none other than Zonavir, uh, Ivisic, who has A, an official jersey number, Sean, and B, uh, has a, an official pronunciation that Kentucky released. He is signed, sealed, delivered with the Kentucky Wildcats. But before we get started, a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Source of Sadie is presented by the great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment, an online appointment uh, at justdental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team look forward to seeing you soon. Sean Smith, we are... Absolutely thrilled to make this happen today. It was a, a whirlwind of a day where uh, I, you'll see later in the show, our, our listeners right now, you'll see that I was like dripping sweat up at the KS Bar office, K, uh, our KSR offices. Uh, it was like 95 degrees up there, but we got the chance to sit down with John Rossi uh, to dig into the nuts and bolts of this Kentucky basketball roster and really get a national take that uh, isn't reliant on hot takes and past prejudices and judge, judgments of of John Calipari. It, it is what the, the actual natu- national feel for what this Kentucky basketball program is under John Calipari. Really, really exciting stuff. I think fans are going to really enjoy it, and I think they're really going to enjoy what he has to say in particular about uh, one diaper dandy in particular in Justin, uh, Justin Edwards. Yeah, for, for those that listen to the show that love positivity – you're going to love this episode because it's all positive notes about this Kentucky team. It's all positive notes about the freshman class, what John Calipari did as an off season with putting this roster together, what Kentucky can become in the NCAA tournament. And he even talks about some of the near misses that Kentucky's had since 2016, that when you kind of peel it apart, Kentucky was a a shot or two away from, from making runs to the final four. We, We go in depth with a lot of topics Really good episode. You and I had had John on when we hosted KSR a couple summers ago, but I don't think we'd ever had him on this show before. So it was it was good to get him on. And especially this time where me and you go back and forth, we're like, okay, what's the plan this week? Because there's not been anything really change. But we still wanted to kind of find a way to get creative. And we, we talked a number of topics, and I think people are really going to enjoy this episode. Yeah, I think this is a great time to – our opinions and thoughts and analysis has been just absolutely regurgitated over and over again on this show. There's not much left for us to give with the current roster until these so fall classes have begun, but until, you know, right now we're in the midst of workouts, but until the actual practices continue and we can get intel on how things are going, who's standing out, who's building on what worked in Toronto, there's really nothing left for us to give in this current landscape beyond recruiting stuff. And we'll, we'll dig into all that. So right now we're basically dedicating our time to 
getting outsiders perspectives of this program to see what the national vibe is and the local vibe, the recruiting vibe, uh, th those sorts of things. And we're also working on some other very special guests in the very near future, Sean, that I know fans are going to be thrilled about. So we've, we've been on a nice little run. I know uh, that the feedback was quite mixed last week with uh, Jeff Goodman. In fact, Athir Kader uh, has just lit us up. He, he basically promised to never come back to our show ever again if Jeff Goodman ever uh, laid his eyes and ears on this platform ever again. So uh, we're sorry. We know it was, it was polarizing. I think we got enough good stuff out of that to make it worthwhile. The feedback, I think, for the most part, was better, more good than bad. And, you know, it's it's different. It, we're in the dog days of summer. It's different. We need stuff like that. And, and it, I think it was, it was worthwhile in that realm. And I think we're going to get a nice 180-degree flip today with John Rothstein because it's a very positive show. And that's what I was telling you before we went live is it, it lined up with what we have coming today. You, we had to have the conversation that we had a week ago. It created a lot of topics. We, we debated it. We, we taught, we said our part. He said his part. We're moving into an episode today that is a ton of positivity about what Kentucky did as an off season, how they got here, what they can be. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy what John Rothstein has to say. And, and John's one of the, the probably one of the funniest Twitter follows, especially during college basketball season. And we know that he doesn't sleep very often when the season starts and things. So he, we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk a lot about what Kentucky can be and just kind of uh, how he evaluated Kentucky's trip to Toronto, said some really good things about Trey Mitchell and the offensive style of play, the thing that me and you've been talking about now for five or six weeks that we saw he kind of said those same things and you're seeing it from a national guy and hearing it from him too. So a lot of good stuff uh, coming your way for this one. Yeah. Really looking forward to that. And I think I had my mic messed up. I had it going through my computer instead of this. So I, I should be sounding better uh, on my end. Make, make, cool. Glad, glad uh, we, we got that fixed, but uh, let's talk about, I guess the biggest news of the week is it's not even necessarily like a roster move or a change or anything, but it's just the fact that we now have the complete roster number. So we know exactly what everybody's going to wear this season. Uh, Zonomir Visich going to wear number 44 for the first time since Dakari Johnson back in the 2014, 15 season. Uh, wh what do you make of that? The big Z is going to be rocking the, the, the double fours. I don't think that was a number that I would have predicted for him to wear. And I think when we started talking about it and, and you mentioned Dakari Johnson, I'm like, man, that's not a number that's been worn a lot at Kentucky, especially under John Calipari. So it, it it's cool to to kind of see him, you know, leave his mark on that Jersey and, and stuff. And that, that's one where I'm trying to think who are the greatest 44s to, to wear Kentucky Jersey. Chuck Hayes comes to mind. I'm pretty sure he was 44. So uh, there, there's some out there. I'm sure some some people will be putting them in the comments, but uh, that is not the one that I would have predicted him to wear. But it's cool to to see that he's going that route. That's the true big number, double digit number, right in the 40s. So uh, we'll see. Let let let's. I'm going to put you on the spot. I have the full list in front of me right now. Name as many 44s as you can in Kentucky <laughs> basketball history. I, I think that might be the only one that I can name. I'm I'm trying to think who goes beyond De, him. Dakari and Chuck Hayes, but there's one that you got you got to get a third. There's <sighs> there's got to be all timer, all timer, all timer. Why am I going blank on this? It would be horse hockey if you don't get this. Really. It would be an all-time scoring disaster if you did not get this. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I like the horse hockey, and I like the <laughs> reference there. Like that, that one gave it away. But no, I was, I was trying to think. I almost said Jamal McGore, but I was like, wait, he's forty-two. So, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a number that I don't really think of a lot when it comes to Kentucky basketball. I mean, you have the numbers that have been worn like twenty plus times, but it's really cool to to see. Let's see how he leaves his mark on that. Maybe, right. uh, maybe twenty years from now, we're we're making a reference to, to remembering him wearing it. The full list: Dakari Johnson, Chuck Hayes, Yumel Martinez, Jeff Ginnin, Ginnin. These are all before my time. Robert Locke, Charles Hurt, Scott Quartz, Bob Fowler, Steve Lockmuller, Dan Issel, Brad Bounds, Cotton Nash. That's a big one. Ooh, that is a big one. Bill Lickert, Phil Grawmeyer, and Cliff Dwyer make up the complete list of former Kentucky stars. Stars, quote unquote, to to wear it, and uh, Evisich joins that list. Uh, it is moving week. It is freshman uh, orientation week. It is uh, the start of, of fall uh, classes. Right now, we're just in the mix. I think we talk with uh, uh, John about this later in the show. Uh, full practices won't begin for another month or so, but I'm sure that you know workouts are starting to begin, just like early summer workouts when they moved in for uh, summer classes and orientation, all that stuff. So what are you looking to see in the next, let's say, two, three weeks of this group uh, for, from a chemistry perspective, from a, a you know workload perspective? Is there anything, any intel that you're waiting to hear from with, with this group in the next couple of weeks as fall classes begin? I, I don't think it's as much as what I'm waiting to hear as much as is what I'm waiting to see. And, and I, I want to see how active these guys are. It, does the breakfast club thing uh, be, become a trending topic throughout the late summer and into fall? Are they posting to their Instagram stories in the gym at 5.15 in the morning or at midnight getting extra shots up? That's kind of the intel that we will get from, from their side is how often do we see these guys in the gym on, on video or on uh, Instagram stories, things like that. So that, that's where I'm trending with this is who, who are in those groups? Is it, a group of three or four? Is it a total team thing getting in the gym and doing some work together? Uh, I, it's going to be interesting and fun to follow, but Jack, it, it's crazy to think. I know football's about to kick off here in a week, but once that kicks off, it, it's not long until we actually start talking a lot of topics about this team. Big Blue Madness, what, less than two months away? I mean, it's crazy to think that it doesn't seem that far away, but we're already a month or so removed from Toronto. So it kind of shows you how quickly this thing is going to be here. And uh, we'll be talking Kentucky basketball content and actually team related very, very soon. And I mean, just from a timeline perspective, it's time to put their money where their mouth is in terms is. of guys getting back on the floor. John Calipari, when uh, Ugo went down with his foot issue and the scrimmage before the Global Jam, he said a couple of months and the kind of the loose timeline was September for his return. It is now August 22nd. Let's put up or shut up. Let's get him back on the floor. Let's get him acclimated and get that development back on track where it is clearly taking a step back. That is really unfortunate that he's missing this time. And, you know, everybody talked a big game and said, well, Aaron Bradshaw said it was only going to be – Four to six weeks, not four to six months. Okay, well, we are now at the end, you know, approaching September. He's back on campus. He's interacting. You know, he's going to these camps and uh, signing autographs and giving his shirt off his back to fans. It's awesome. I'm so excited for Aaron Bradshaw. Uh, Can hardly put words to it, but it's also time for him to start trending toward his return to the floor and, and really starting to sift through the, okay, it's really easy to say, well, four to six weeks is four to six weeks versus, uh, God forbid, six months before he returns. Okay, 
if the boot's off and he's ramping things back up, when's he going to get back on the floor? That That's what I'm looking forward to, to yeah. getting those first reports of, all right, Bradshaw is back, let's get this thing rolling. Yeah, and that's probably another thing I'm looking forward to is is those guys in those Instagram posts or Snapchat stories, whatever it is that comes out, are, are they in the gym getting up shots, doing things, and, and what are they progressing like with their health? I think that's probably the – that will be the biggest – storyline leading up to those exhibition schedules, which we do not know yet who Kentucky is going to play in those games. And I was telling you today that that's content that should be coming our way probably in the next couple of weeks, you would think, before we get into uh, first, second week of September, we should know the schedule, the layout of the SEC schedule. But all eyes are on the two big men and the foot injuries. Like those, that is a concerning thing to, to be following going into the season. So, it would be great to see those guys back and out there when Kentucky takes the floor for that first exhibition. Maybe they're not com- competing in Big Blue Madness or something like that, but I think the hope would be that those two guys are ready to roll before we get to November because if they are, then Kentucky's at full strength going into the year, uh, avoiding hopefully nothing that happens leading up to the season. And the reason why you bring in a guy like Zonamir Ivicic is a, a, a just-in-case policy for everything we just talked about. If it takes just a little bit longer to get Ugo back on his feet, no pun intended, if it takes Aaron Bradshaw just a little bit longer and he trends toward the timeline that the people that were actually involved were saying as a, you know, we're probably expecting September, October return for him. I, you know, I think that is why you bring in a guy like a Vizic to kind of be that placeholder so you can continue to do what was working in Toronto, continue to play that that five-out style and really, you know, yep. it, Aaron Bradshaw and Avisic at the end of the day are going to be interchangeable with what they do. I think big picture, you want to get everything around Aaron Bradshaw working the way it needs to so when Bradshaw is is back, uh, he's able to, he's going to be a seamless transition. It's not going to be a clunky uh, fit, fit once he eventually returns to the floor. No, and, and my hope for this team is that, they're healthy when the year starts. I, I'm, I hope that it's not something with any of these guys that, that drags into December or even into January. Like my, my hope is November they're at full strength because I, I think one thing that can really derail what you're doing is when you're trying to make pieces fit that haven't been there from the beginning of practices, then you're trying to maybe force guys in. And let's face it, if Aaron Bradshaw isn't healthy for some reason to begin November and he gets healthy in December, Kentucky's going to try to make that work. He's that talented. But I'm just afraid that if you get to a point like that where you're having injuries and then trying to move someone in, that it could mess up team chemistry. That's why I'm hopeful that they're healthy when the season starts or at least a game or two into it. That way they're not trying to blend that. And and during a part of the schedule that I think is very important this year is the non-conference because they play a lot of marquee games. And we talked to John about those with the Kansas, North Carolina Gonzaga matchups. There's a lot of positive talk. I know you and I've kind of teased this on the show, but I'm I'm hoping people stick all the way through the interview because you get talk about the schedule. There is really positive intel on Big Z that, that John shares. There, there's like a lot of a lot. there's a lot of good stuff. We talk about the point guard position in DJ Wagner. There's all these topics that we talked about this offseason. We hit on them in this interview as well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, really, really good stuff. We have a couple. Uh, if you have any quick questions, we're not going to keep this part 
too, too long. But if you have any quick questions, make sure you get those into the chat uh, as, as quickly as possible. There are a couple that we can hit on before we get out of here and get to John Rothstein's interview. But before that, a uh, couple housekeeping things for us. The Source of the Podcast is also brought to you by our friend Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Looking for a side hustle while working your current job? Wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy? Andy can help and is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free and he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership you can learn more and contact andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net and uh, our new friends at game time absolute blast you have your own personal experience with game time that i know you're very uh, excited to share but look there's nobody better out there in, in the, the ticketing world than, than game time you don't get as interactive you don't get as uh, seamless and and user friendly as you get with what game time uh, is providing it's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you will have. Sean, I know you have your own personal experience that you were just dying to share with, with the class. Yeah, you asked me you know, last week if I got to use the app yet, and I hadn't. And I told you that I was getting tickets to a Reds game, and... Uh, my buddy's bachelor weekend is actually coming up September 1st and uh, we, we purchased nine tickets through the, the game time app actually last night for uh, the Reds and Cubs on September 1st. And uh, well, the, the guy that was doing it, he was like, this was the, the cleanest, easiest thing that, that I've ever used to purchase tickets and got to see the view from the seats and, and getting nine together and things like that. It's uh it's a really, it was really easy to do. And it was uh Really excited to get up there, and I'll be I'll be tweeting out pictures from uh, from my seat, and you best believe I'll be uh, plugging Game Time. Forget planning in months months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, as Sean put it literally last night. Yeah. Got got uh, these, these tickets. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, ba- basketball, baseball, comedy. Uh, concerts, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means that you will always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use promo code KSR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code KSR for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed uh let's uh, go through a couple of these questions and get the heck out of here uh pigs pig 76 says i'd like to know who the dark horse guy is who can be a surprise i'm throwing that to you it's you know there's i feel like there's so many directions you can go with this uh one guy that we do talk about on this interview at the end is a duthiero is kind of being a, a piece, a piece that can defend, a piece that can rebound, a guy that can get to the paint and, and kind of be that Swiss Army knife for Kentucky that, that good teams that advance in the NCAA tournament have. I, I think he could be a surprise, honestly. Um, from the backcourt, I just I don't really think that any of those guys doing well would surprise me, if that makes sense. I expect DJ to be what he is and Reed and, and Antonio Reeves. Even if Robert Dillingham ends up exceeding some of the expectations, I don't think that would surprise me because I do think that he has big game potential. But I would say a do, and then out of the bigs, 
I think Ugo, if if he were to emerge and make a lot of plays, I think that that would would be another guy that that would maybe be a surprise if he's able to to be healthy and, and block shots at the rim and then add anything offensively. But to me, Aduthiero is probably the pick because I think that his versatility to be able to play multiple positions, do multiple things, and defend, especially early on. And, Jack, there's something to be said about not just experience, but Kentucky experience. And he and Antonio Reeves are the, the two guys that are on this roster, and, and Ugo, that have experience wearing a Kentucky jersey. And I think early on, that maybe trumps some of the other areas on this roster that I think that that's going to get him some opportunities early in the season for sure. Brian Stewart says, Dickie V ranked Kentucky at number 13 preseason. Too high, too low. Thoughts? You'll hear more about this exact topic with John, uh, and I don't want to give away too much of what he's going to say. Again, the whole point is to listen to his awesome analysis. He he did uh, awesome stuff. We really appreciate him coming on. Um, I agreed with his analysis. I I think it's okay to be on the conservative side, to start the season, go lower, and let them work their way up. I, I think that the path for this team is going to be the the 2013-14 path the 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 roster well i i think the preseason expectations were too high for them they probably should have started about where kentucky's going to be with this team and work their way up and let them train at the right time peak at the right time going into january february march peak uh, core of sec yeah. play uh, so i think 13 might be a little i'd say high for right now i think 15 to 20 is a very safe spot right now but I think at the end is all that matters, and I think at the end they will be uh, in position to contend for a Final Four. And I think at the end of the day, that's what Kentucky fans care about. Yeah, I, I'm. I actually would prefer them to be somewhere around 13 to 15 in that mid, somewhere in the mid part of that top 25. Because to me, I think there's a lot to be said about working your way into that top 10, top five. That is starting there, falling all the way out if you lose a game or two, and falling into the 20s, possibly falling out of the top 25, and then trying to kind of claw your way back into it. In, in college basketball, I, I don't think it matters You know where you start. You see plenty of teams that do not begin the year ranked that end up being top four seeds or top five seeds in the NCAA tournament late. So I actually like this because it is different. Not often do we get to see Kentucky starting outside the top ten. Even when they replace a lot of new faces, how many times have we seen them number five, even number one, number two? And then the next thing you know, you look up in late December and they're 22nd, 23rd, and we're going, what's wrong with Kentucky? Well, maybe nothing really is wrong with Kentucky. Maybe that's just they were overvalued at the beginning of the year, and then here they come with a surge. I'm okay with where they're at. If if that's where they end up falling in a preseason AP poll, or even a little bit lower, even at 17, 18, I'm okay because it's not of the weight of the it's not the weight of the world on their shoulders right out of the gate going up against Kansas. They're going to have plenty of opportunities to prove where they belong in the polls. Seth Warner says, "What's going on with the Boozer twins? Uh, has anyone heard anything?" Uh, I'll take that one. Yeah, I continue to hear that Kentucky feels very good about where things stand there and that they're going to continue to push. They feel really confident that a visit's coming. I've heard from the Boozers' side that a visit is in the works with Kentucky at some point, that that will be uh, one that they take before taking the next step in their recruitment one way or the other. Uh, Cooper flag reclassing does not help Kentucky, unfortunately. I think it it creates a cushion on Duke's side to – make up, I think, some of those frustrations that they do feel about not being prioritized, that, yes, Duke has been going all in on uh, on Cooper Flag in that same 2025 class, and I think that they've kind of felt like, well, you know, if you think that we're a lock to come to your school, 
you're going to learn the hard way that that's not the case. And I think that Duke is going to pivot after inevitably landing uh, Cooper flag that they're going to go back to the drawing board and say, well, you've always been our priority. We knew that you were going to be a, a 2020, that Cooper was going to be a 2024. So I think Kentucky is going to have to make up some of that. And I'm hoping that the boozers see through that because before Cooper was a guarantee to, to reclass a 24, Duke was still prioritizing Cooper over the boozer. So I'm hoping that they see through that. And, and I think it's important that, uh, Kentucky is recruiting Caden Boozer just as hard as, as Cam. Cam's a, yeah. a star, uh, but they really like Caden as well. And I think that's going to play – I think that's going to yep. go a long way with that family that it's not just about Cam. I think if if you show just as much love to Caden as Kentucky is doing, and they're doing a tremendous job at that, uh, I think that's going to, to, to help out in the long run. Do they land yep. them at the end of the day? I think they have a better yep. shot than most, most think, but uh, it's at least interesting nonetheless. It, it is important that they don't just – view him as a bonus piece that they're recruiting him as a priority as well and I think that like you said that that goes a long way and you know building those relationships and Kentucky's there in in contention for it and uh, Kentucky certainly believes they have a shot yeah absolutely let's get uh, out of here with this I think we've hit all the well uh, is John uh, Rossi and Trilly Donovan well we've had people saying that I'm Trilly Donovan they're saying that you're Trilly Donovan um now is John Rossi. Now we've had people ask about Andrew Slater. We've had people ask. It's the 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 ideas and possibilities are endless with this one. Um, do you think John Rossi is truly Donovan? <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, at this point, truly to me feels like somebody we we definitely know. It's somebody that's certainly plugged in at a level that is just unreal. But it's one of those that I don't think I ever want to know who truly Donovan is. I think I always want it to kind of just be what it is. And it's just, I don't ever want to know who truly is. I want it to keep going and just, uh, man, you talk about a source for knowing things ahead of time. Just unreal. Whoever it is, is doing an excellent job of of getting insider content. I love the uh, athletic feature that was done on him where he was like, Oh yeah. You do not get me on camera. You get my voice. Anything else? I think they were. He revealed, "I'm 32 years old, and I'm from the Northeast, and that's all you get to, to learn from me." So, uh, uh, fascinating stuff. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, Ian Hart says Reed Shepard is going to be the first player in school history to lead us to four straight titles. Amen, brother. Uh, if that's the case, <laughs> man, build build a statue of Reed Shepard. I cannot freaking wait. That's going to be uh, a blast. Um, I. I think that's it. It, it, it. Prepare for an awesome weekend. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. Oscar Sheboy is in town. I'm going to be participating in the uh, Players First, or I guess it's now the John yeah. Calipari Fantasy Camp. I will be there. I will be making a fool of myself. We'll have some video coverage here on the KSR YouTube page that uh, fans are going to really enjoy making fun of me. Uh, hopefully I shoot better than 44% from the free throw line. Again, I led the event in field goal percentage. That's all we need to talk about. I, I, I made the shots when they actually mattered. Forget my 44% free throw efficiency. It was terrible. Uh, Jacob Toppin got in my head. It was not fair. I will do better this year. I promise. I've been going to the gym every single morning, getting my shots up. I, I promise to re- redeem myself this year. We will have video evidence to prove it this weekend. And then at the conclusion of that, we have uh, Sean Smith actually coaching at Oscar Sheboy's youth camp, which will also feature the entirety of the Kentucky basketball team, where we will know one way or another. I'll be there 
boots on the ground on campus with the team. So I'll know if Avisic has arrived yet and what the process is. I'll, I'll hear that firsthand because I'll be there. Uh, you will also be there firsthand. You'll see at the youth camp uh, because the basketball team is is uh, volunteering there. They're going to coach there with uh, Oscar Sheway. That's going to be a blast. And then a very special surprise after that that we can't tell you about yet, uh, but we'll, it will also feature Oscar Sheway. That's going to be an absolute blast that we'll also feature right here on this uh, KSR YouTube channel. So uh, this KSR page is going to be the place to be this weekend. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I know now are you you're a two time champion in that, right? I so, have the I have the uh, hardware to prove it. Like, so the free right, throw right over it. Yep, the free throws the free throw percentage didn't didn't hurt you. So no. I'm I'm hoping to, I'm expecting seventy percent or higher from you though this weekend in that in that category. It, I I just can't have Jacob get in my head. I can't have people get in my head. And I start losing focus because I'm more focused on that. I, I gotta, I gotta have uh, the mind of a goldfish. I have to, to just, just have short-term memory. Just forget everything around me. Just have tunnel vision. I have to like be, be in the zone, be in the game. And I, I think it will all work out. I, I had a 20 and 10 game my first year last year or two, two, two seasons ago with Damian Collins. Oscar Sheboy and Keon Brooks as my coaches. This past year, we won the title, but I didn't play as well. Uh, Antonio Reeves, Grant Darbyshire, and I don't remember who my other coach was. Um, not, can't can't remember, but I, I, I promise this will be my best. This will be my best year yet. Third year, best year. We're going to have to break down this film too next week. Like we're going to have to break down your game. I want to see we're, this tape. We are going to have Steven get footage of us and and I want I want us to I want us to like dive into it. I hope it's like a, a positive film breakdown and a takeaway where you guys can like like actually like break down the X's and O's and be like, "Wow, look at this back cut. Wow, he found uh, his his off-ball movement was just tremendous, but it would be like the worst ego hit in the world to be like, "Yep, Jack, look, you Guarded with the offhand here. You uh, your, your footwork was a disaster here. You didn't follow through on your shot here. I, I'm just I'm 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 either really excited or very nervous about how this is going to unfold. As Cameron put there, where you plant the global jam. So uh, remember, we can't we can't evaluate too much. The global games. Yeah, the global games. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. Awesome show, guys. We appreciate you. The the real uh, the, this was just the appetizer. The actual entree is coming up. John Rothstein does awesome work. We appreciate what he does uh, for for CBS Sports, his own podcast, uh, the the Quip King. When in terms of college basketball, uh, the, the, there's nobody. That, I think he said that he's having a kid in the next month or whatever. So next week, uh, he said he said he's just never going to ever sleep again. I know he said that he will sleep in September. But I don't think he's going to be able to do that either. So uh, no. be be excited for John. Rossi and his stuff is awesome uh, and uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and get the heck heck out of here Sean where can fans find your work uh, you can follow me on social media at GBB country you can find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR reach out to me via email jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com with that we'll be back next time for the Jam Pack Sources A podcast we will see you then excited to bring on college basketball's hungry's insider you know him you love him cbs sports uh college hoops today john rossin the absolute goat thank you so much for joining us always good to be with you jack 
Well, we obviously want to talk the University of Kentucky Wildcats. It's been a, a hectic offseason for, for John Calipari and the Cats and uh, probably the most important for John Calipari, at least in the last five, five six years. Uh, just your overall thoughts on the offseason. How did things go uh, with John Calipari and who he added and, and those who left the roster? You know, the way it came together, I think Kentucky's in really, really good shape to have a terrific season. You know, I had the privilege of calling the Jordan brand classic for CBS sports in the spring. And you guys know, you know, multiple players in Kentucky's freshman class, Robert Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, were all in that game. And all three were really, really good players. But Edwards is a player that I think people will see as early as Thanksgiving that has a chance to be an all American during the 23-24 season. You know, I thought in that game, the Iverson Classic, that Justin Edwards was just terrific from tip to finish, can play different positions, can handle the ball, can initiate offense. But also, Justin Edwards does not lose 50-50 balls. It's almost like when he's involved in those types of situations, they're 90-10 in his favor. So I am a big, big buy stock now guy in Justin Edwards. I think he's going to be one of the best players in the country during the upcoming season. And look, I was a little concerned as other people were as well with Kentucky's lack of experience, especially up front. But adding Trey Mitchell late, a grad transfer from West Virginia, and then adding obviously another big from overseas rounds out that front court. And look, Kentucky's going to have stern competition in the SEC, but I think this will be one of the better recruiting classes that John Calipari has had in a long time. And there's also veterans now to anchor that class, not just up front, but also with Antonio Reeves. And John, we got to see Trey Mitchell in Toronto. Did you see anything different from his game that maybe you didn't see at at UMass and other stops? You know, the big thing guys that I took away from those games in Toronto was Trey Mitchell gives you a different look up front. He is the polar opposite of Oscar Shibway. And now all of a sudden, if he is playing as a face up five, the driving lanes are more open and it's more conducive to play a four out look with Justin Edwards as a small ball four. So I think that Mitchell's skill set aligns with the way that the roster has been constructed because I'm looking at Kentucky's roster, and, you know, we haven't talked in that freshman class yet about Reed Shepard yet, but he also was very, very promising in Toronto. Love his game. But I'm looking at this team, and I'm looking at the perimeter freshmen, Shepard, Dillingham. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Wagner Edwards and then if you add Antonio Reeves to that bunch I think you'd be really comfortable with four out of those five players on the floor you know for for most stretches and if that happens with Trey Mitchell extending the defense those driving lanes are going to be open for Kentucky not just to get to the basket but also that's going to get them in the bonus faster which you guys know if you're playing a smaller lineup that's filled with great decision makers and great guards normally they're great free throw shooters that's advantageous for Kentucky John obviously the front court is you know the back court is what it is star talent you, you get Antonio Reeves back that was that was crucial but with 
Aaron Bradshaw and Uganan Yenso having their respective injuries, just how important was it to get a guy like Zonomir uh, Ivisic? Obviously not a lot known about him, but just to add a guy of his caliber, high potential, uh, high ceiling type guy, just how important was it to kind of put, put the icing on the cake of, of a very strong overall roster at this point in August? They needed another big because of the lack of, I think, clarity surrounding some of the guys that you mentioned and their health, you know, for the start of practice, which is, you know, coming up here in a little bit over a month. I think that was a big thing to address. You know, I was talking earlier today, too, with a power conference assistant, and he raved about the addition of Big Z for Kentucky. So he thought that it was an underrated pickup. So I think it was necessary to solidify the front line. And then if you get into a situation if you get a healthy Bradshaw back, if you get Uganda back healthy, you're going to have an embarrassment of riches and you allow, you're allowed them to play a little bit more traditionally if you want. But judging by the strength of this team from what I've seen so far, and again, looking at these guys in person, to me, this is the, this is a team that's going to really have a lot of strength on the perimeter. And again, I can't speak enough about how excited I am for Justin Edwards at Kentucky. And more more on that freshman group, too, specifically the point guard position. We know how big that position is at Kentucky. Do you expect DJ Wagner to be the guy that kind of runs that that spot, or do you expect maybe a, a combination of he and, and Reed Shepard, maybe some Rob Dillingham mixed in? I mean, they have options that they haven't had. Right. It's like in the last few years. But do you expect DJ to be the guy that kind of takes control of that spot? You know, I would think it would be a combination of a lot of guys. DJ Wagner obviously has the pedigree, but I also think that DJ Wagner is so gifted offensively, much like his relatives, his father, Dewan Wagner, and his grandfather, Milt Wagner, that you want probably there to be instances where he is off the ball and more aggressive and attacking the basket. But you have players on the roster that can allow him to do that. And, you know, John Calipari was, you know, one of the first coaches back when he was at Memphis when he was running the dribble drive motion offense to want to play multiple point guards at a time. And look, he did it as well his first year at Kentucky with John Wall and Eric Bledsoe. John, what, what's the surprise on this team? What, what's going to be the one thing that people aren't talking about now that, uh, let's say, December, January, and obviously going into March, that people are going to, to, to feel it surprise them about this team? You know, that's a great question. I think the big thing that I think people are going to see pretty early is how advanced these freshmen are. Now, that doesn't mean that Kentucky is going to go undefeated. It doesn't mean that they're going to go to the Final Four. But, you know, in looking at the different recruiting classes that John Calipari has assembled, they all have a different feel to an extent. Obviously, you know, I think that the 2014-15 recruiting class doesn't get a lot of attention because there was veterans stacked on top of that team that finished 38-1. and but that recruiting class, when you think about it, guys, had Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, Trey Lyles, and Tyler Eulis. We don't talk about that because the team still had Willie Cauley-Stein and the Harrisons and players back from the year before. But that was an incredible recruiting class. I thought the 16-17 recruiting class or the 16 recruiting class that had Fox, Monk, and Adebayo was exceptionally good as well. But to me, considering the state of where Kentucky's program was at the end of last season, kind of needing to restock things from a talent perspective, seeing that this recruiting class has quality depth because we got the four perimeter players. You've obviously added a prospect from overseas and you're still waiting on Aaron Bradshaw. I think it's a recruiting class just based on volume. That reminds me of the recruiting class that we saw in 13 that featured the Harrisons, James Young, 
Julius Randle, Dakari Johnson, in the sense that you've got so many freshmen that are ready to play a pronounced role because there's been, let's face it, a little bit of a passage from last season. Oscar Shibwe is no longer there. Kaysen Wallace is no longer there. C.J. Frederick has transferred. I see a lot of similarities, not necessarily man for man, but in terms of the volume of this recruiting class to the one that we saw in 2013 go on a run late and come up short in the national championship game to Shabazz Napier and UConn. On that note, I guess the story of that season was early struggles. There was a time that a lot of people didn't think they'd ever get it figured out, and then they did. Do you see those type of parallels where we could see some early struggles there? And I guess just overall, what what flaws do you see with this group that, that could come around and kind of bite them in the butt at some Inexperience. point? Inexperience. Hopefully early. In, in experience, you know, I, I think for all intents and purposes, we're seeing more and more. And guys, I just want to point out, I see my name is spelled J-O-H-N right there on this little app. It is J-O-N. And that is that I'm a stickler for that. So when we put this out, let's make sure it's spelled the right way. That's our producer. Uh, I'm going to yell right. at him as soon as, as soon as we're done here. I don't see Jack Pilgrim's, you know, hashtag J-A-C for what it's worth. But... You know, I think inexperience is the big thing. And, you know, we're going to see trial by fire. But, I mean, John Calipari's teams have always gotten better after Christmas and, you know, leading up to the new year because of the extended practice time. I don't think that's going to be any different. But I'm looking at this SEC right here, and I'm seeing a lot of teams that are bringing back high percentage of scoring from the season ago. Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Tennessee, these are all – programs that return a lot from last season so even if these teams may not be as talented as Kentucky in terms of their long-term potential they're going to be old they're going to be seasoned they're going to be really really effective and John I know we don't have Kentucky's official schedule the completed version of it out yet but we know some of the bigger games the the Kansas game North Carolina Gonzaga at some point at Rupp Arena is there a game on that schedule that you're looking forward to the most that may be evaluating this team early I mean, the Champions Classic always is what it is, right? I mean, let's go back again. You know, we have seen Kentucky, you know, not play well and other teams not play well in the Champions Classic and then wind up having a really, really good finish. And, guys, you know, I think the big thing, too, and I don't want to get off on a tangent right here, but the only thing that matters in college basketball, and I don't want to say that you don't want to try and win every game that you play, but the one thing that people remember is how you fare in the NCAA tournament. UConn, I believe, was tied for fourth last year in the Big East. They ripped through the NCAA tournament like a chainsaw through butter. Marquette, the team that won the Big East regular season and tournament title, lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament to Michigan State. Look back at another scenario. Arizona won a Pac-12 tournament title, beat UCLA in the title game. Then Arizona, days later, lost in the first round to Princeton. So I know that Kentucky's fan base is one that always lives in the present. But the only thing that matters is how this team is going to play in the 2024 NCAA tournament. And let's go back to that, you know, recruiting class that I referenced 10 years ago. Nobody remembers that that team was in the middle of the SEC pack in 2013-14. They remember the run getting to the national championship game. So I'm expecting Kentucky to obviously have some difficulties early with all this with all this inexperience they're going to be taking on obviously teams that are much older than them but I think they're going to have a dog in this SEC fight and that should put them in position I think to be a top 
16 to 20 seed in the NCAA tournament. That'll be a five and above. And I expect them once they get on a neutral court in the NCAA tournament, because at that time they'll be more seasoned to be a very difficult out. You talk about NCAA tournament, you talk about veteran leadership. Those two kind of go hand in hand with Antonio Reeves. Obviously, he struggles in the Kansas yeah. State game. And then his offseason was one of the biggest roller coasters we can remember in recent memory in terms of will he, won't he, him ultimately deciding to come back. How important is Antonio Reeves to all of this that we're talking about? Massive. And I think also getting back to what we were talking about in terms of spacing and playing with a four outlook and the versatility that this personnel brings there's going to be no better player in terms of the way he's going to benefit off that penetration than Antonio Reeves who's a knockdown shooter that can go over the top of the defense so I thought Antonio Reeves was outstanding in Canada and I think he's going to be even better this year coming back to you know Kentucky for an additional season you know we're seeing more and more these COVID seniors have massive impacts on college basketball. And again, it's not a COVID senior, even if it's somebody who's just older than everybody else. But it's been something that I think is a underrated thing in the sport when you think about the impact these guys are having that are you know staying in school because of the pandemic. And look, nobody talks about this, but you know, you look at a guy like Antonio Reeves who's going to be playing in his fifth season next year. He has, I think, an opportunity to be next in line to be a COVID senior that puts somebody over the top. I mean, guys, let's look at this for a second. Last year, the team that Kentucky lost to, Kansas State, was led by Marquise Noel, who was a COVID senior. That type of experience, that type of gravitas can't be taken for granted. <laughs> Excuse me. A little dust in this room. <laughs> you're, you're all good. Uh, you talk about Kentucky top 16-ish seed in, 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 by, by next year's NCAA tournament. When you roll out your preseason content, I know you're, you're well underway as is, but when you start getting into the, the meat potatoes of it, uh, will Kentucky be included in those, those title contender conversations that you have, and what will they have to do to, to hit that point for you this season? You know, Jack, I, I'm somebody who's a little bit more pragmatic, I would like to think. And what I mean by that is this. is like if I was, you know, forecasting, you know, the SEC, which I did earlier this week, and I was going to start a tournament today based on everything I know, I probably have Kentucky in the four or five range because to me, I have a hard time putting them ahead of teams that are older and more proven right now, like in late August, than Texas A&M, Tennessee, Arkansas. Not by a lot, but by a little. And I would, again, probably put them right now between 20 and 25 to start the season. That doesn't mean by Thanksgiving they couldn't be in the top 10. It all depends on what they're going to do to perform. But – Again, I use I say this all the time. It's not so much where you start, it's where you finish. I mean, look at Florida Atlantic last year. Look at San Diego State last year. These are teams that I don't think a lot of people necessarily thought would go to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Maybe San Diego State to an extent, but they wound up going to a Final Four. So the good thing about Kentucky, and John Calipari has always said this, if he had to choose between talent and experience, he would take talent seven days a week. The talent in this recruiting class – is legit for Kentucky. The talent in this recruiting class and the depth of the talent is better, I think, than it's been in a number of years. And again, I saw that, you know, when I saw these guys in the Iverson Classic. And, you know, one thing, too, that John Calipari, you know, has told me that he likes about this group that not a lot of people are talking about, they all come from winning. 
So there is an expectation here that they're going to have that winning DNA out of the gate. And it's obviously a big, big jump from high school to college. But, you know, considering the way this roster rounded itself out over the last couple of months, I think the pieces are in place. The necessary pieces are in place for Kentucky again to, you know, go back to the beginning a little bit to the early days in terms of what the product looked like at Kentucky. John, one more roster question for me, and I guess we can call him a, a Kentucky veteran because he he was on the team last year and got some minutes. Mm-hmm. But Adu what did you see from him on that in that trip to Toronto as a, a guy that? And, and to me, there's a difference in experience and then Kentucky experience playing in that program, knowing what it takes day in and day out. Did you see anything yeah. big from him in that in that performance? He's a piece. He can be a piece defensively. He can be a piece, obviously, off the bench to steal minutes. You know, he got in the passing lanes. He got out and finished in transition. And, you know, guys, sometimes, as you know this, when you're building a team, everybody is obviously, you know, so concerned with, you know, what's the overall talent and so on and so forth. You need pieces and parts to fit. He is a piece and a part that fits together and somebody that can know what he's good at and be good at what he knows. And you think about the teams that John Calipari had. I mean, forget about the 2015 team. That was obviously just a different type of animal when it comes to the overall talent on that team. But the team in 14 that went to the title game, not a lot of people remember this, but in the Elite Eight against Michigan, Nick Stauskas was cooking Kentucky in the first half, had 14 in the first half, and John Calipari made the decision in the second half to put Dominique Hawkins on him and pretty much take away everything else on the floor. And Stauskas, after having 14 at the half, only finished with 20. Theoro's a piece. He's a nice piece for Kentucky that I think, you know, is going to have in his role a quality impact. Just from a national perspective, what is the feel about Calipari in in there's no no final four since 2015. There's obviously pressure here in Lexington about this kind of has to be the year for right. things to just start working working out. What what's the national feel about the, the just the perception of the Kentucky basketball program? John Calipari is the leader of that program. Well, I don't want to obviously you know kill this narrative in August. I know you know Kentucky fans overreact you know at the every you know TV timeout, but. You know, he's your coach and t- you know, for the foreseeable future because he's got a lifetime contract and he's got so much money coming to him. So he is going to be the Kentucky coach until he doesn't want to be. And John Calipari is a better businessman than he is a basketball coach because he has that contract. But when people talk about the run that Kentucky has had since the last time it went to the Final Four in 2015, I tend to look a little bit more at how close they were to going to multiple Final Fours since. And I want to take you through this. 16, they lose to an Indiana team that deserved to win in the round of 32. No problem with that. Indiana played great. They deserved to win. 17, they lose to Carolina, okay, on a buzzer beater by Luke May in the Elite Eight. Carolina goes on and wins a national championship. That is a 50-50 game. Kentucky was inches away from going to the Final Four. 18, they lose to Kansas State, who didn't have Dean Wade in that game in the Sweet 16. But if P.J. Washington, if you remember, (laughs) makes those free throws, they're going to the Elite Eight to play Loyola Chicago. So if you think about this, if they get another bucket or two against Carolina and P.J. Washington knocks down a couple more free throws, they're in two Final Fours during that stretch. 2019, 
have a comfortable lead against Auburn. Again, a team that lost Shuma Okiki in the Sweet 16 against Carolina to a torn ACL. Crazy things happen. Without Shuma Okiki, Auburn goes on and wins, you know, that region and goes to a Final Four. And then in 2020, I firmly believe that the combination that they had on the perimeter with Quickly, with Maxi was trending the right way in the NCAA tournament. And if Kentucky was going to be, you know, in the 2020 NCAA tournament before it was canceled due to COVID, I was picking them to go to the Final Four. So if you think about all those things, Kentucky was really a couple of bounces away from maybe going to two to three to four Final Fours during that stretch. Things went the other way, which is part of the NCAA tournament. And I think that's magnified by the fact that Kentucky, and I think Cal would tell this to you, during the COVID season, did not have the buy games necessary to get reps in the non-conference portion of the schedule. And if we go back and look at that schedule, I believe they had one guarantee game. And then this sound right? They played Richmond on a Sunday. And then the following week, they might have played at Georgia Tech when Georgia Tech had DeVoe, Alvarado, Moses Wright. And this was all coming like an avalanche for an inexperienced team. And then they bounced back in a major way the next season in terms of their one loss record. But they were victim of the craziness of the NCAA tournament. And you lost it to St. Peter's. So if you're splitting the atom right now from 2016 to 20 till, till now, with the, you know, with, I mean, if you're looking at things last year, was really only the only year where you look at the team and say, you know, we probably don't expect a big run, with the exception of the team that didn't make the tournament in in, in COVID. So I think that, you know, they were a lot closer to going to multiple Final Fours since 2015 than a lot of people are really, you know, for, are really talking about. But again, a lot of people don't have this type of ability to, I think, you know, when, they, when they're trying to make comments and kind of paint a picture to expound on what really happened. 17... 50-50 game against Carolina. 18, P.J. Washington makes free throws. They're playing Loyola Chicago to go to the Final Four. 19, overtime loss to Auburn. Three golden opportunities to get to a Final Four. You get none. Now, how easy would it have been, guys, for them to win those games or some of those games? Lose to Carolina in 2011 and then also lose to Michigan in 14. That's the way it works. I tell people this all the time when there's no rhyme or reason, you know, in terms of the NCAA tournament. Prior to the, you know, 2020-21 season in the bubble, UCLA's, you know, premier recruit, if you guys remember this name, Dacian Nix, opted to play in the G League. Mm -hmm. Chris Smith, who was their best returning player, tore his ACL. And then Jalen Hill, may he rest in peace, he's no longer with us, you know, left the team for personal reasons. And then UCLA got to the Final Four. So sometimes you just don't know, you know, what's going to transpire. Teams get hot, new roles emerge. But, you know, I think if you look at Kentucky and the body of work since, you know, the 16-17 season, they've been right there a number of times to get to a Final Four. Again, it just hasn't happened. Do do you get a sense of... um chip on Cal's shoulder to kind of shut up all of that noise. Uh, you laid it out so eloquently, but it, obviously the, the Kentucky fans are, are impatient and are, are ready. Do you think there's kind of that sense of chip on, on Cal's shoulder to just kind of say, you know what, 
I still am the guy you thought I was. Time to shut everybody up. Yeah, if John Calipari didn't have a chip on his shoulder, the world wouldn't be around. So, you know, I think, you know, you got to expect, especially after last season, not making the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, which Kentucky hasn't made since 2019. It's an important season, you know, for Kentucky, but I think they're more equipped this year if they can obviously get their seasoning right and the role allocation right to go deep in the NCAA tournament. And I don't want to, you know, incriminate, and I don't want to say, you know, disparaging things about players who were there previously, but the upside in an NCAA tournament game of a DJ Wagner is going to be higher than the upside of what it was for Xavier Wheeler when they played St. Peter's. It just is. It's part of it. And I would even throw that in the same thing with Kellen Grady. You're having guys now come to Kentucky who are more in the fabric and the ilk of the Harrisons, James Young, Tyler Eulis, these types of guys that they, you know, they used to have. And I also think, guys, part of it is the game changed a little bit with the transfer portal and people trying to figure out what works for them, what doesn't work for them. You know, I talked to Dan Hurley about this recently at a UConn practice. If you look at the way UConn, you know, added transfers last year during the run to the NCAA tournament, you know, and the, the run to the Final Four in a national championship, they pieced things together. Tristan Newton was a piece between Jordan Hawkins' lottery pick, Andre Jackson draft pick, but he wasn't counted on to carry the load. Joey Calcaterra was obviously a very, very critical reserve for them off the bench, but he didn't have to carry the, lo- the load. I think as the landscape changed, you know, a lot of different programs, a lot of different teams – you know, had to find a way to figure out what their secret sauce was. was, And, you know, nobody's immune to that. That's what I was going to ask you next is the model now is to get old, stay old. That's the way that's kind of trending in college basketball. Now with these COVID COVID guys moving out here in the next year or so, do you expect more programs like Kentucky to rely heavily on high school recruiting again and, and maybe just adding a piece here in the portal depending on need? I mean, I think it all depends on the experience. I mean, you know, what we're going to see throughout is that players are always going to transfer in college basketball, especially now. But I think if you are a high school player that is going to be able to have a major role at a place like Kentucky, you want to go play at a place like Kentucky. If you're not, you know, now you can go somewhere else, almost like a farm system, and see if you're good enough to eventually get to Kentucky like an Antonio Reeves. Awesome stuff, John. Uh, last question I, I have for you before we we get you out of here. Uh, Tyler Eulis, you brought him up. Yeah. He's been added to the to the staff. He was there last Great year, addition. but 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 returned. What what does that mean to have a guy of his his caliber and his experience uh, teaching guys like DJ and Rob and, and and Reed and so on? I mean, that guy was an extension of the head coach on the floor when he played. So he's going to be, you know, I think an exceptional coach. It was an exceptional hire. You know, at Rutgers. The associate head coach is Brandon Knight. And Brandon, you know, was a great player at the University of Pittsburgh. And when he has been in practice, whether at Rutgers or Pitt, I particularly noticed how hard and demanding he is on his point guards. I think you're going to see that a lot with Tyler Eulis, who will obviously, I think, make DJ Wagner, Robert Dillingham, and also Reed Shepard exponentially better. It was a great hire for Kentucky. It's great to see him back with the Wildcats. John, awesome stuff. Uh, what's your favorite quip? What's your favorite John Rossine uh, meme quip uh, that, that you your go-to? 
You know, Jack, I don't think about it like like that. I mean, I know everybody like kind of likes to chime in and so on and so forth. I'm just always trying to be organic and always trying to, you know, not force things just because, you know, you have all these different fan bases say like, you know, well, we don't have a tagline. I'm like, hey, man, I don't have one for Kentucky. I don't have one for Gonzaga. I don't have one for Kansas. If it's not organic, I'm not doing it. Oh, that, that's awesome. And uh, are you getting any sleep right now or are you waiting until September for that? Well, ironically enough, my uh, wife is due with our first child a week from Saturday as we're taping this. So it may go from we sleep in May to we sleep never. I don't know. Could be determined on that. <laughs> I, my, my first child's due in October. So we'll have okay. to uh, sh- share, share tips and tricks because I'm, uh, I'm very, very, very nervous about that as well. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've told people all the time. I was like, I'm going to still watch as much college basketball as I can. You know, sleep is optional. Yeah, absolutely. John, you're the best. We appreciate you coming on and uh, being so so gracious with your time. Awesome visiting with you guys. We'll talk soon. Absolutely.